You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The bottom of the hour, Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet analyst, host of the Mitsoff podcast. We'll uh, unveil our text topic for your chance to win tickets to go see the Equalizer 3. A fast food company, uh, I think, is listening to our show and stole sort of an idea we have. We'll get to all of that. And um, Jeff Erickson, Rotowire senior editor, host on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Help you out with your fantasy football draft this weekend. But right now, he covers the Sabres and Major League Baseball for the Buffalo News on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Mike Harrington. Mike, how are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, Mike, you wrote a great piece. Uh, caught my eye yesterday. And uh, from somebody who is uh, from the Niagara region originally, uh, I've been to my fair share of Sabres games. And what I have noticed is uh, when they play specific opponents, namely the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's like a Leafs home game, not so much a Sabres home game. Uh, tell us uh, about your piece yesterday and how essentially the Sabres and their players are fed up with not having home ice advantage in some of these games. Yeah, well, they're formulating a policy which still isn't finalized, and essentially they're going to give fans in their local area the first chance to buy tickets. Now, the narrative, of course, that formed on Twitter was they're banning Leafs fans. No, they're not banning Leafs fans. They're <laughs> allowing their local fans to buy tickets first. There have been ticket bans in other cities in the playoffs where they're only selling to this zip code. The Sabres are going to do something like that, but it's going to be a pre-sale where the mm-hmm. first tickets will go on sale to their fans, and then after that, other fans can get involved. And the other thing is, yes, the Leafs game last year especially was a tipping point, but they're doing this for every game on their schedule, you know, because they have yeah. a lot of fans in their building for Pittsburgh and for Boston and for Detroit, not just the Leafs. So I think they're just trying to really – go hard to get their fans in the building to help them get a better home record. They missed the playoffs by one point last year. They had the most road wins of any NHL team that missed the playoffs since 2016. And it largely came back to their home record, and they just want more of a home ice advantage. Yeah, I know there's uh, maybe a little bit of cynicism tied to the fact that their fans don't go to the rink, but I know that Buffalo's an incredible hockey market. U.S. television ratings are through the roof in the Buffalo market, it's just, Mike, I don't blame the fans for not going out to a lot of these games, especially the last few years, because the team and the organization has been an absolute tire fire. Now, obviously, a lot of optimism with guys like Darlene and Power, like the list goes on and on. Tage Thompson of guys were exciting guys to watch with the Buffalo Sabres, but I don't really blame the fans the last few years not going to these games, Mike. Well, and the attendance really jumped last year. Uh, They had the highest per-game jump in the league last year, as a matter of fact. Mm. Uh, Certainly, they were coming from a low point. Their season ticket base had cratered to about 6,500 two years ago. You know, that's probably going to be close to double that this year when they're all said and done and total it up. Um, So they had a large number of sellout crowds the second half of last season, and they're just trying to ensure that continues. And one problem with the Leafs game, it's always the one that's the flashpoint from last February, was – most of their own season ticket holders sold their Leafs tickets 
before the season ever started, probably not thinking the Sabres are going to be very good. And by the yeah. time February rolled around and the Leafs came in, they were two points out of the playoffs and nobody had a ticket. So they're trying to avoid that situation happening again. And, you know, and they don't want Penguins fans in there. They don't want Bruins fans. I mean, it's for everyone. And ultimately, if you're a visiting fan, you'll get your hands on tickets. It's just that there may be fewer tickets for you to get your hands on once the right. Sabres complete some of the pre-sales. Uh, when Ryan O'Reilly scored that hat trick and the hats were on the ice in that Leaf game in February, how was, how was being in the rink for that? It was not good, and the players were distressed by it. You know, and the biggest thing I tell people from that game is the Leafs had a four to nothing lead after the first period. And what happens when you're the home team and you're down four to nothing after the first period, right? Boo! Boo! No, and yeah. It, yeah. In this game, in this game, the buzzer went, and there were wild cheers because. of the building were Leafs fans. So, again, I mean, not to overemphasize the Leafs thing because that's two out of their 41 home games this season, and they're doing this for all their home games. Okay? But, uh, yeah, is it the Leafs game was the tipping point to start the policy, but they've been disturbed by the number of Pittsburgh and Boston fans in the building as well. It's fascinating to me. Like, the Leafs have such a – traveling fan base, but they don't even travel. They just have fans in every single city. Like, we see that here in Calgary, too. It's just one of those things that when the Leafs fall, I took my better half to the Flames-Leafs game this year, and she felt out of place in the Flames crowd because of all of the Leafs fans that were around. Like, do you think this is a phenomenon that we're just going to see around this around the league? And, and as much as you don't want it to be 80% Leafs fans at a Sabres-Leafs game, like, what is a reasonable expectation? Because this happens all over the place. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a lot of fans for the Sabres in Southern Ontario who are Leafs fans, so when they play the Leafs, they root for the Leafs. The numbers, to me, has always been, it's been pretty much a split crowd a yeah. lot of the time. But, you know, this, this certainly situation got a little out of hand. Um, and the Leafs have a tremendous fan base that travels. They have fans all over the country. And the other thing is, the Leafs are good. This wasn't a big deal. Ten years ago, when the Leafs were terrible and the Sabers were pretty decent, yeah. they still had more Saber fans in the building. It's a cyclical thing. Right totally. now, the band the bandwagon for the Leafs is very hot. They're a hundred and ten point team, so all their fans are going to come out. Um, I get all that, and that's what a lot of teams, not just the Sabers, are dealing with. Look at the Ottawa Senators have to deal with it. Calgary has to deal with it. You know, it, it, the Leafs are kind of the equivalent of the Dallas Cowboys of the yeah. NHL. They are the right. they are the tra- the traveling road show right now, and everybody yeah. has to deal with. It. Look at Florida this year in the playoffs; they did the same thing with tickets to try to keep Leafs fans out. So, I mean, that's the Leafs are a little bit of a unicorn. They're a little bit of a very unique circumstance in all this with the Sabers. Mike, did you have a story you can share from us from a Leaf Sabers game? I've had the pleasure of attending uh, a couple of those and. Sometimes in the stands, things get a little out of hand. Is there anything you've seen specifically during those games that you can share with us? Well, uh, you know, <laughs> you do see that, and that is another issue, I think. Some of the, the fan behavior is a concern among the Sabres and a lot of host teams. But, you know, the, the, Leafs, <clears throat> the Leafs got beat like a drum when they came to Buffalo a lot of the time here. I remember back in 1981, they lost the game 14-4, to and the Sabres fans used to count one, two, three, four, we want five, whatever. They got all the way up to 14, we want 15, you know, back in the days of the odd. So that was one of those nights the Sabres fans kind of get a good chuckle over. But even Joe Bowen, the wonderful announcer, spoke at Rick Jenneret's remembrance service the other day, and he joked, you know, this is 
this building's like, you know, the little shop of horrors to the least for the number of times they left without the two points. So it's a great rivalry. It's only going to get even hotter as the Sabres continue to their, their climb up in the division. Mike, I got to ask you, uh, you mentioned him right there, Rick Generet, uh, passing away this offseason. What's it going to be like going through kind of a, a normal day covering the Sabres without Rick being there? Well, you know, it, it's really certainly a sad circumstance. We were happy that he had his two days to honor him at the end of the 21-22 season where they retired his number, so to speak. They put his microphone in the rafters, mm-hmm. and then his last game was another celebration as well. Uh, we saw RJ at the rink some this year. I mean, he was fully retired now. He wasn't on the air anymore, but he did attend a few home games, so he'll definitely be missed. But he'll always be remembered, that voice and some of those incredible calls when we've We've had this remembrance in the last 10 days or so, replaying all these calls and, and the magic of them and talking to some of the players involved. And the biggest thing about Rick Jenneret was he was really a confidant to that team. A lot of the players back in those days looked at him as, you know, a father figure, a grandfather figure. And he was there for some of these guys, not just talking about hockey when they were on the bus, on the plane, in the hotel. And he was really embedded as part of the team and a, a sole member of the team. And that's something he'll be remembered for as well. Do you think that's changed just in kind of modern sports broadcasters being that close to players around the team? Have you seen maybe a little bit of a shift in that type of relationships? It can be. Um, I think, I do think it's a little different. They get to travel with the club. They're part of the club. They root for the club. I mean, there's no question about Mm -hmm. that. The the broadcasters are rooting for their team to win and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the job. But uh, I, I, I think that Rick Janaret certainly, uh, had a bit of status because, you know, I even wrote in my story the other day, he called games played by Phil Goyette, who was born in 1933 and played <laughs> for the Sabres in their second season. And he called games played by Owen Power, who was born, what, in 2002? You know, I mean, so he stretched, you know, literally 80 years time of players' birth dates. So that's really a remarkable thing when you think about a guy who called 51 seasons of hockey. Mike Harrington uh, covers the Sabres and Major League Baseball for the Buffalo News. Joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Market, Line, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. How much optimism is in Buffalo heading into this season? It's an exciting young team that potentially could take the jump, get into the playoffs if they get some goaltending here. Maybe the, this is absolutely a playoff team. Is this the first time in a long time, Mike, where there's you know expectations for this team, like reasonable expectations that this team should make the playoffs this year. Yes, since probably 2011-12 is the first time we've had expectations like this in Buffalo. and They have a 12-year playoff drought, which is the longest in NHL history, and it needs to end. It's an organizational albatross you have to get rid of. And if that means you make the playoffs and you go down in the first round in five or six games, so be it. You need to get rid of that and kind of move on as an organization, and I think they can. Uh, the goaltending is a question. Devin Levi gave us a really good seven-game sample last year, but it was a seven-game sample. And the biggest thing to me about the Sabres is I think this Atlantic division has come back to them. I think the Leafs are head and shoulders the favorite in the division going into the year, but the Boston Bruins are no longer the Boston Bruins. The Florida Panthers are going to start out with some injuries. The Tampa Bay Lightning continue to age. Will a long offseason help them? I don't know. Uh, Ottawa and Detroit are kind of building like the Sabres are. I think the Sabres are ahead of them, and Montreal is certainly well behind. So 
a lot of these teams who are at the top of this division and have been for several years are coming back, and the Sabres are climbing. I, I think the Leafs are a prohibitive favorite, but after that, anything can happen. Was last year the ceiling for Tage Thompson, or is there more to that? No, there's more. Uh, he had injury problems. I mean, that looked like it was wow. going to be a 55 or 60 goal season. It ended up at 47. And if I told you before the season, Tage Thompson's going to score 47 goals and it's going to be a little disappointing, you would have laughed at him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he had, he had a lot of injuries, you know, in the second half and that kind of stuck his production down and he ended at 47. But, yeah, there's, there's more from Tage Thompson. There's more to come from Rasmus Dahlin. There's more to come from Alex Tuck. There's more to come from Dylan Cousins. And that's kind of where your optimism is. These guys had career years last year, but they're not anywhere near their ceiling. From a uh, slightly personal fantasy standpoint, I always like to pick up players late that are going to hitch their wagon to a superstar player. And I think Tage Thompson is kind of getting into that echelon. Who do you think he could end up playing with this year? You know, I still think they're going to run that top line out again with Alex Tuck and with Jeff Skinner. Um, They didn't stick with it all the time last year, but it was their predominantly their top group. And it produced a lot of goals, and, and I think they could be better defensively. They know that. Eric Johnson was signed from Colorado, and one of the first things he's talked about was how Nathan McKinnon and the guys out there got a little more responsible defensively, and that's where the team took another jump. And I think if the Sabres get a little more responsible defensively and you know get more saves, let's be honest here, that was a big problem last mm-hmm. year, they're going to they're gonna take a jump, even if they sacrifice a little offense. They were third in the league in goals last year. If they sacrifice a little offense and get a little better defensively in a net, mm-hmm. they'll keep grow- they'll keep going up in the standings. Uh, Mike, you're just throwing it on a tee for me. Uh, when the Sabers <laughs> traded away Ilya Labushkin to the Ducks for a fourth round pick, I'm like, huh, maybe they're clearing some space for a defenseman here in Calgary called Noah Hanvin, who's pretty good. Is that something potentially the Sabers and Flames can get together on? You know, I don't know. I've thought about it. Yeah, you know, Noah Hannafin, you know, people still talk about Brett Pesci in Carolina. But, uh, you know, they have eight NHL defensemen now. Realistically, they had nine. So we knew a couple were going to go at some point. They're down to eight now with the deal of Lubushkin. We'll see. They signed Eric Johnson. Like I said, they signed Connor Clifton from Boston. They kind of feel like they're set. But uh, I know Kevin Adams, the GM, is always looking, and they have an abundance of prospects. And we'll see what they do come camp if they need to make another move. You know, Hannafin was a name we had talked about. You know, Brett Pesci's the other one. And so far, they haven't pulled that trigger. And we'll see what they do roster-wise. Mike Tarrington uh, covers the Sabres uh, for the Buffalo News. Mike, quickly before I uh, let you go, you also do a great job of covering Major League Baseball. We know that the, the Blue Jays played uh, a lot of games at Salem Field in Buffalo during uh, the whole COVID situation. Um, what, what's the fan base like for the Blue Jays in the city of Buffalo? I know there's a ton of Yankees fans there, and when the Blue Jays were there, they had the Sabres vibes uh, when the Leafs were there. It didn't even feel like a home game because everyone was rooting for the Yankees and the Red Sox. But how many Blue Jays fans are in Buffalo? Uh, there's quite a bit, and the team still gets pretty good support in the AAA level. It, it's really a Yankees town, and after that, the Blue Jays are right there, I think, with the Red Sox, Mets, Indians for Buffalo fan support. But they get a lot of support at the Bisons games, especially on the weekend. People come down from Toronto. You see a lot of Blue Jays games in the stands, and you know there's a lot of 
interesting names in Buffalo right now. We're waiting to see if Spencer Horowitz gets the call to the Blue Jays for the September 1st call-up. He's had a great year. You know, where did Davis Schneider come from, guys? Davis Schneider hit 21 home runs and had 70-plus walks in Buffalo this year. So it's been quite an interesting scenario to see him blow up in the big leagues in his first 15 games. But, uh, yeah, there's always prospects percolating in Buffalo for the Blue Jays. Uh, Mike Harrington uh, covers the Sabres and Major League Baseball for the Buffalo News. Check out his latest piece on the Sabres planning uh, to make sure that their fans get first crack at uh, tickets. Mike, terrific stuff. Thanks for this today. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good day. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. See, it's like, yeah, you need the right zip code in the States to buy tickets first, which is fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Like, here's the here's the problem with this is and, and why I think that this is kind of trying to solve a solution that I don't necessarily know will exist now that the team is good again. Um, I think Buffalo is filled with, you know, I, I don't think fair weather is the right word for their fan base, but they're well-educated, and they're not going to pay their hard-earned money to go watch a terrible team play. Yeah, that's fair. That's extremely that, fair. So That's they like had, it is here in Calgary. So team they stinks. Had, they're not going to go to the rink. Bingo. So they had bad attendance. And then the team was surprisingly good, and all of a sudden people want tickets, but like they talked about, like Mike said, you'd already sold all of your tickets to the Leafs yeah. game probably before the season had ever begun when you yeah. thought Tage Thompson was probably a 3C at best. Then he goes right. out, he puts 55, almost, and you're feeling like you could take on the entire world and you want to go see this team beat Toronto. Mm-hmm. Now that this team is actually good, I don't know if they're going to have this same problem. Because the other thing, too, is like you look back and you're like, okay, 80% of that fan base was Leafs fans, but there were still tickets to be bought. So like Sabres fans could have gone. It's, it's not like every game that they had was a sellout. Yeah. Right? So I think it'll help. Um, but that least problem is the same thing everywhere. Like, like I yeah. talked about, like when Haley and I went to the game here in Calgary and it was her first time seeing a Leafs game on the road, like yep. she was taken aback. Yeah. I, I know just even, uh, I, I had, I had, I am not that a fan. Night. I do not Correct. like, yeah. Get into the ball hockey rink that night. Ugh. There was a lot of Maple Leaf sweaters walking around downtown Calgary. There was, there always is. Yep. Yucko. Um, check out, uh, Mike Harrington's piece. Uh, very interesting on it what the Sabres story. want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cool story. Uh, Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, host of the Mitsoff uh, podcast, joining us at the bottom of the hour and at the top of the next hour. We're helping you out with your fantasy football draft. Uh, a lot of those are happening this weekend. The Labor Day long weekend. Get together with your boys, your buds, have a couple pops, uh, make fun of each other for bad draft picks. Uh, Jeff Harrison is going to help you out with your fantasy football draft. We've done this a couple times, kind of wetting your whistle a little bit, but this is a serious weekend for fantasy football, and Jeff Erickson will try to help you out with your draft. Um, we're also giving away, at 8.30, tickets to the Equalizer 3. Uh, you get uh, two passes, two medium popcorn, two medium drinks. I ran across this Richard Jefferson story, which is absolutely incredible. So Richard Jefferson uh, had a very good NBA career. Mm-hmm. Uh, does a lot of stuff for ESPN now. Yep. But found out yesterday um, the way he broke up with uh, his fiance is incredible. Um, just days, Maddie, before they were about to get married, Richard Jefferson called it off a five-year relationship with his fiance, Keisha Nicole. Mm. Um, he did it in a very specific way. 
which is fascinating. We have some clips because she was on Good Morning America yesterday. And who is uh, she? Should I know who she is? Uh, she's just she was a dancer. She's a dancer. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, a very attractive young lady. Um, but the way Richard Jefferson broke up with her is just incredible. It's going to lead to our text topic today. Um, we have some clips of Keisha Nicole talking about her relationship with Richard Jefferson and how things ultimately ended here. Uh, let's play the first one, GVP. They met, fell in love, traveled the world. He proposed. The wedding was said to be a lavish affair in New York City's Mandarin Oriental. What we read in the papers next was unimaginable, that he had broken up by email, didn't notify guests. A $2 million wedding was wasted. Email. <laughs> no call. <laughs> no text. Um, I'm just fascinated by what the subject line was. <laughs> Sup. Wedding over. Yo. BT Dubs. Um, uh, you got meant yeah, to well, tell you dot dot dot. Yeah, let's play uh let's play a couple more clips. Uh there's also a clip of Richard Jefferson on Howard Stern explaining why he broke up with her, and then there's more uh from Keisha Nicole. Let's play the next clip, GVP. Okay. This one's from Richard. Okay. We had broken up and gotten back together, broken up and gotten back together so many times that I didn't want to make this decision and then two days later say, okay, look, I'm sorry. It was a decision that I had to make and stick by it. That's fair. But you sent an email. Okay, well, let's, let's, play. let's play one more clip from Keisha Nicole. I've lost a lot of money over the years just for being with Richard and being away from my career opportunities. To be with someone that's in the spotlight, that's a, an athlete, you have to be where they are. So for the last few years, I've been living, sleeping, and breathing this relationship and nurturing my relationship with Richard, which took me away from career opportunities and chances to make money on my own. Okay, that's fair. She was but, all in. And then that yeah, email comes across in. her desk and it's over. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he flips her an email saying it's over. What, uh, after, what time? After, is, <laughs> what time does he he send the email? Yeah, I, I is don't it think like it in the morning and at the end it's like I would love your response by end of day, please. <laughs> EOD. <laughs> so Richard Jefferson, as per a, my uh, last email, we yeah, are breaking up. Yeah, days before a wedding, uh, shuts it all down via email. No call, no text. An email. So we want to ask you, 960, 960, name and location for the tickets, the movie tickets. Uh, the worst breakup you've had, like Richard Jefferson style, or one you've heard about, 960, 960, name and location. I have a question. Yeah. Who still emails people to get in touch with them? I only use email for work, like only to talk to my boss, maybe book a guest, but... Ideally, I would call them or text them. Sure. On Sundays, I like to call friends that I haven't touched base with in a long time, especially during the football season while I'm kind yeah. of watching the start of the games. I'll get the yeah. phone out and kind of do a scroll. I got like five or six guys that mm-hmm. don't live in Calgary or I don't see so much anymore. I'll give them a shout, see what they're up to, use that time to catch up. But I would never send them an email. Right. Um, but it, it, it also reminds me of the Seinfeld episode that – uh, one of the most important parts of a relationship is how you break up with the relationship. <laughs> I yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, as far as you know, yeah, being Amicable. able to live without looking over your shoulder for the rest of your life, like right. you don't want to have one of those situations. Not Keisha Nicole and Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson got in front of his laptop 
and uh, hammered out an email. A little tippy tap. You're done. Yep. Maybe that's the subject line. You're the, done. The nice thing about... <laughs> uh, you know, pack your... Yeah, pack your S. <laughs> um, 960-960 name and location. You know what the nice uh, thing about sending it over email is, George? He could have been so in the bag. Like, text or, or if you do it via call, they're like, are you drunk? Like, we're not going to do this. But if he does yeah. it by email... No yeah. problem. You got spell check. You got grammar right. check. And apparently, you got the bartender to fact check everything for you. Apparently, he did it uh, via email because he really wanted to get all his thoughts down on paper. I think that's fair. I think yeah. I think that's some of the people do when they're about to have a, a heavy relationship conversation. Try and write down your thoughts so that you don't go in there blind yep. and feeling like you got your hand tied behind your back. Yeah, hell yeah. Sixty. 960, name and location. Um, the worst breakup you've heard about or have experienced. 960, 960, name and location. I don't know where this is going to go. <laughs> I hope it's entertaining. I hope it's fun. A lot of tugging on the heartstrings. Oh, already? Right. win you the tickets, though, as, as we know on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone's already brought something up extremely well. Uh, MSN Messenger days, like that was right up my alley. You'd be dating someone, you'd have to put the little heart in your little <laughs> MSN messenger yeah. uh, uh, account name with them, and then you knew that they were no longer together when it was gone, or broken heart and no name anymore. Oh. Right. Takes me way yeah. back. Um, 960, 960, name and location. Uh, worst breakup story or somebody's broken up with somebody, either you've experienced or somebody in your inner circle have experienced. <laughs> 960, 960, name and location. Straight ahead, Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, Mitsoff Podcast. How do you get ready for training camp? Do you have one last ceremonial beer, as Maddie <laughs> said? Like, how does that work? We'll talk to him about that. Uh, Sheldon Keefe signs uh, an extension with the Leafs. Like, what? They're just running everything back. And is he hearing something about Elias Lindholm? We'll do all of that next. Oh, and a big-time fast food chain? Mm, I think they listen to our show. Probably. It's They're all better. straight ahead. They it's all the do. Show. Uh, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan at the top of the hour. We'll help you out with your fantasy football draft. Jeff Erickson, senior writer, Roto Wire. You hear him on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports. And uh, we're giving away tickets to the Equalizer 3 uh, in honor of Richard Jefferson breaking up with his fiance days before their wedding via email. What is uh, the worst breakup you've heard about, you've experienced, you've been around? 960, 960, name and location. Some of these are awesome already, and I can't wait to share them with you at 830 with Texty McTaxterson. I already question some of the legitimacy of some of these. Well, that's our job to vet them to see if the story is true or not. Well, I'm not going to call. Well, never mind. We'll get into it later. But Okay. Uh, but right I now. I don't uh, know how we check the legitimacy of some of this. Uh, the NHL uh, training camps are around the corner. Um, Luke Gazdick, NHL and sports and analyst, host of the Mitsop Podcast, joining us here on the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar. Guest hotline. Luke, good morning. How are you, pal? Morning, guys. I'm good. How about yourselves? We're good. Uh, Luca, uh, Matt Rose brought up a great point about uh, getting ready for training camp. Like, what was what was it like the, the last couple weeks here before training camp really started for you? How did you approach that? And as Maddie aptly put it, did you have, like, a ceremonial last beer? Like, how did you approach the couple weeks before training camp got underway? 
Yeah, I would say Labor Day weekend's about uh, the cutoff point for most guys. Um, at this point in the summer, we would be at you know full training, even doing contact stuff. Uh, I trained with Matt Nickel in the in the city of Toronto, who ran the BioSteel camp, where we had guys from all over. North America and mostly uh, guys from our gym in Toronto where we were uh, we were basically running our own training camps and then once uh, Labor Day weekend hits I, I would say that over 95% of the players start to head to their respective cities I actually the older I got in my life I would wait longer and longer to get there um, I just felt like those two weeks when you get to your city, well, let's say it's Calgary, let's say it's Edmonton, whatever it is, it's kind of a gong show. There's no coaches on the ice or anything, and you're kind of on your own program, but it is really nice to get back and see the guys. So I don't know if it's a, a send-off beer or anything, but I would say that <laughs> Labor Day weekend is, is about the last time that, that guys are uh, having some having some fun, I guess. And then after that, it's two weeks of the grind. Like, Take us through like uh, uh, an average wake up to go to bed type of day for you once you're trying to get into game shape i mean if you're there you're pretty much fully into your i would say diet nutrition by then and when we talk and laugh about joking about drinking like that stuff's pretty much off the table by then yep. and you're these guys are already into their diets and it's uh it becomes almost like a groundhog day at that point you get up you hit the rink um it's a it's usually a workout a lift uh, cardio, preparing for any sort of fitness test, stuff like that. You'll do that in the morning and then jump on the ice. And those skates can be run by captains. They can be run by um, assistant coaches, skills guys, but like the head coaches and those guys can't be on the ice. So it's uh, it's always a workout and a skate, uh, lunch, and, and then you usually uh, have the afternoon off to kind of do whatever you want to do. In most cases, it's guys getting their living situation set up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of the younger kids' prospects who are kind of vying for spots are like I was a lot of the time. We're just sitting in hotel rooms, and uh, <laughs> it's pretty much Groundhog Day, man. To the rink, a little workout, a little skate, and, mm. and back home. Well, did you have any anxiety about the fitness testing? Was it like a big exam in like high school or something to you? How did you handle the fitness testing by the team? Oh, anxiety is an understatement, man. That's all I wanted to get over with. I didn't, uh, it, it was it was the biggest thing that I thought about just because I set such a benchmark, not only for myself, but I wanted to, you know, perform and have good results. As I remember in Calgary specifically, they post those after every event and then a total after. So if you're in last place in something, the other 60 guys at camp are going to see that you're in last place in something. And that's not a great feeling to have. Um, but I remember nights before, um, usually the cardio tests, like we've had, I've had shuttle runs in my career and the last couple of years in the Anaheim organization, we had a five mile bike on, on this, uh, Airdyne, you know, the, the, uh, the hand bike. And, um, it's just, uh, it, the sleepless night before for me was just getting that over with so that I could just focus on playing and, and performing in training camp. Cause I, I really truly hated that fitness test. <laughs> you brought something up that I'm curious about. It's the BioSteel camp right now. Um, there's all sorts of little things like this, but do you know how guys get invited to this BioSteel camp? Because like you see guys like McDavid and Bedard, but then you also see guys that you've never heard of at this camp. Yeah, so the BioSteel camp's kind of taken off into something much bigger than it was when I was a part of it. Matt Nickel, my trainer, was actually a co-founder of the Drake BioSteel in Toronto and thought as a great way to get guys in shape before they went off, let's have a four-day camp where... 
we not only have our gym of guys, which was, you know, 10 to 15 NHLers, let's get Gary Roberts, who is 40 minutes away from mm-hmm. us now, get some of his guys and Connor and those guys. And um, let's bring them together. We'll have a couple groups, skates, and then a big scrimmage uh, kind of tournament on the Thursday. So that started in Toronto. It's kind of grown from there since Matt left BioSteel. And I would imagine that you being a competitive guy or, or an NHL all-star sitting around watching all these clips on, on the internet and wherever you see it, you want to be a part of it. So I know for that a lot of guys will call and express their interest and say, Hey, get me in the biosteel camp, get me in the biosteel camp. So I'm not sure who's in charge of, you know, putting those rosters right now, but I know that a lot of the players, I would say most of them are calling their agents and saying, Hey, I want to go to that biosteel camp. Like I want to be surrounded by these guys. Sometimes it's a no, uh, but uh, they'll, they'll take, you know, the best guys. And like I saw, it's out in Halifax now and, Pretty cool thing that they do that, I think, to kind of let the guys get together and, and have some of the best players in the world. You know, I saw a picture of uh, Connor Bedard rolling out with yeah. uh, with with McDavid and Leon yesterday, a couple days ago. I saw what a cool thing for him to be able to sit around and hang out with those guys. So it was a really cool thing for me to be a part of, man. I always thought I was out of place. We always did a draft. Mm. We had four we, we had four <laughs> captains, and I was, I was always towards the very end of the draft for a little character and glue guy. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I always felt like I shouldn't even be there, but um, it was honestly a lot of fun. I, I was a part of a couple of those. They were awesome. Do you know about the Beauty League, something that has kind of come into social media's realm a little bit over the last couple of summers? Yeah, I, I mean, I know some guys that have played in that, teammates. Yeah. Uh, I know it's a uh, kind of a two-time-a-week two thing in, in Minnesota, and I've played with a bunch of Minnesota teammates. Um, so do know a bit, a, a bit about that, yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering if you'd known anybody who had played in it because it looks like it's a little bit of a gong show. <laughs> you know, I've heard good and bad things about it, uh, <laughs> in just in terms of the schedule and how they and how they run things. But generally, it's pretty cool for guys of different teams and, and different levels to be able to play competitive hockey. You know, throughout the mm-hmm. week and throughout the summer. I think that's the one thing that most guys miss is that competitive angle when you're just doing skills drills and stuff like that the whole summer. Stuff like that can get pretty boring. So it's pretty cool for those guys to be able to mix in some games and, you know, kind of keep them in game shape. But I don't know. Those Minnesota guys do things a little different, so I'm not really sure what, what they got going on down there. All their mullets and all that. My goodness. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different breed there. Uh, Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet analyst, host of the Mitsoff podcast, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Luke, do you think the guys in the room in the Flames know if Elias Lindholm's staying long-term? Mm, oh wow, that's a great question. You know what? I had Andrew Mangiapane on my podcast yesterday. I uh, should have asked nice him that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't. I, I would try to think, and you know, I always put myself back in that situation. Whether it was a center on our team, I'm sure guys would be reaching out to him throughout the summer. But there's only one person that knows that, and that's Elias, right? I, I would, I would take uh, the no. Side or they'd of have a sense of that. at least. They'd have a sense, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you, I would, I would think that they probably had a little bit of a sense of what, what he's, where he's leaning at least. You know, he, some of those players on your team are, are your best friends, and um, he will have shared a couple of thoughts with, with those guys. But in terms of decision making, I'm sure he's the only one that knows that. But you can even see in the dressing room towards the end of the year or whatever it was, you can kind of judge guys' body languages, body language and mannerisms, and, and the way they carry themselves, and you can kind of make an informed decision on that too. So. I'm sure there's some teammates that think they know and some that know a little better, but probably Elias is the only one that knows the answer to that. 
How much can things change in one offseason, given what we've seen here? They've got a new head coach. They've got a new general manager. But they were already in the organization as well, so there's a little bit of a familiarity here. Like, How much can this really change in an offseason when you still have some carryover? I think it can change a lot, even if there's a let's, – let's say Husky, for example. He really doesn't get to um, – you know, teach or coach his philosophies and beliefs as an assistant coach. He gets to mix them in and put his thoughts in every once in a while. But um, that's head coach and management that starts there. And when you have a new guy come in, he's going to want to make significant probably changes to the system, the way they play, maybe scheduling and the way they do things at the rink, um, the way they run things. Uh, it, it can change a lot, honestly, from experience, even having someone within your organization. It can change for the good, too. It can help guys that maybe whatever the situation was last year mm. um, can maybe turn it around a little bit. And I, I know it might not look like a lot of big changes, especially when, you know, fans and whoever goes and reads off season changes, Calgary flames, and you don't see much, right? There's a couple ins and outs and you go, mm -hmm. well, this is the exact same team, but sometimes guys just need a good summer training, a little bit of time away from the rink. And you'd be surprised how much that can do for, for a player's mentality and, and, and his game. How's Andrew looking? Jacked? Swole? Yoked? Yeah, he's, he's cut, man. He's <laughs> cut. He, uh, he looks like he's ready to go. I know he had his off-season uh, surgery. We talked a bit about that, but no, he's buzzing, man. He looks good, and and I don't know how much I don't know how much he talks in Calgary or how much fans know too much about him, but he's just a really good kid, um, works his tail off, and uh, he's always had that prove people wrong kind of attitude. I had the chance to play with him in Stockton for a year and just didn't, I honestly didn't know the type of player he was. And that kind of opened my eyes up to how well he protects the puck and just his attitude every day is just like show up and work, man. And uh, I have a lot of respect for guys like that. You, you will get the interview obviously shortly if it's not out already. You, you mentioned you just recorded it recently, but when you talk about that, like what are some of the things that maybe fans don't know about Andrew, who can sometimes be kind of, I, I, you know, he's not the most outgoing guy when it comes to media, but I don't know if we afford NHL players that opportunity necessarily either. So what is something that maybe the fans don't know about Andrew that they might learn about more in this interview that's coming up? I think just the story of how he kind of got to be an elite player. He's from a very small town in Ontario. I guess he would probably say it's Toronto to people that don't know, but he's from a small town called Bolton, uh, about an hour outside Toronto. Not much going on there. And he was undrafted to the OHL, uh, walked onto uh, Barry Colts. He was undrafted in his first year of the NHL uh, and just kept chipping and grinding away. Ended up with back-to-back 100-point -back seasons in junior. Got noticed, obviously. Flames picked him up. And just kind of a story of a guy that continually was told no, continually got cut, continually told he was too small. And, um, you know, now he's holding uh, the MVP of the World Championships. He's he's five whatever years into his career, 35 goal season, two years removed from, and he's made a pretty good career for himself. Luke, Luke how tough has this summer been for, well, at least getting back to the ice, you think, for Jacob Markstrom, a guy who obviously had a down year last year, you know, right there in the NHL lead with goals allowed on the first shot. How do you think his summer went, and how eager do you think he's back to, to being back to being Jacob Markstrom? Well, goalies are a different a different story, as I think a lot of <laughs> people know. And um, 
I always found it fascinating how goalies train because everyone was different than the other. I saw goalies that didn't pick up their equipment until August. Till man, Jordan Bennington didn't get on the ice till till basically BioSteel camp. Did some skates throughout the summer, but I, I know there's goalies that just like to take a huge mental reset. And I would make a fair assumption that there was a rather large mental reset that happened there um, in terms of going back home and just shutting away from the game. But I, I would assume too, that that involved a lot of, you know, watching video from last year, probably as a coach, a goalie coach or something working on different things. It's probably a summer of rest work and, you know, just kind of flipping the page for him. It's all, it's all going to be up between the ears for, for Jacob Markstrom. I think honestly, when it comes down to scoring, getting scored on first and all those one goal losses, a lot of that stuff just equates to, you know, up, up top and in your mental toughness rather than physical. And um, I, I'm expecting a lot of them. I know Calgary Flames fans are as well. And I don't know, you can't keep a good goalie like down like that for too long. So I, I, I would put the expectations pretty high. Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet analyst, hosts the Mitts Off podcast. Uh, just real quick, Luke, where can everybody get that uh, Manjapani interview? So it should be out, I'd say, in the next week because we just recorded it yesterday. We have uh, one coming out today. Um, but I'd say in the next week, and it's uh, the Mitts Off YouTube and on both my Twitter and Instagram, you can see everything. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, who's, Luke, who's, thanks today? For... who's today? Uh, Ryan Strom, Anaheim Duck Center. Okay, He'll cool. Be out around. Yeah, it's it, honestly one of my favorite interviews that, to date that I've done. He was like dialed in in terms of we talked a lot of hockey and uh, in his career. So I'll be out around noon Eastern today, and then Manja Manja's next up. Awesome, great stuff, Luke. Let's do it again soon, pal. Thanks for this. Yeah, thanks as always, guys. There's Luke Gazdick on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Interesting stuff there on training camp on uh, Majapani and. Uh, you know, goalies, man, different breed. We don't oh, know. Yeah. Like, there's <laughs> some don't even touch a stick. They're like, nope, need to get the hell away from the rink till I got to go stop the puck again. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Until I got to go touch the yep. rubber again. Got to go get yes, in sir. front. But yeah, different breed. Um, I'm fascinated to see what he looks like this season. Like, I do what I'm looking for, do what I keep What's checking that? my Spotify for every day. I'm like, come on, guys. Jeff, Elliot, drop the Markstrom interview. You can't just share that picture of him with that yeah. <laughs> crap-eating grin on his face, looking like yeah. he's living his best life. Yeah. And still, yeah, the only one that they have up is the Rasmus Sanderson and the William Nylander interviews, which were good. But, boys, give me more content. I need more yeah. hockey content, and feed those me. two have it, and they're yeah. sitting on it, and I'm upset. Yeah, um, feed me. Yeah. Uh, Amil Delic, uh, will, uh, I should text him, go, hey, drop that thing. Yeah. Hey. Or send it to my man, Matty Rose, so he can listen to it. Please. Inside, uh, yeah. Inside stuff. Just text um, him, hey, what's going yeah, on? Do it. You slacking? Do it. How many hours of sleep you get a day? Because it do must it. be a lot. Send him a voice memo. Like you're a bro. Bro, you got to drop it. Bro, bro. bro. bro you got to drop it, bro. Bro, bro you, you got to drop that Marky hit, bro. <laughs> That's weird that Marshall's nickname is Marky. Um, we got a couple minutes to <laughs> Only go. Only when I'm in a bro phase. Yeah. A um, couple bro. minutes before we talk to uh, Jeff Erickson. A uh, lot of fantasy football drafts going down this weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll help you out with that. Like We'll, we'll try. Get our boy J-Dog on, man. Get you all set for fantasy, bro. Yeah. Stop that. Okay, um, sorry. 
there's uh we're giving away um, equalizer three tickets at eight thirty mm-hmm. in honor of uh, Richard Jefferson calling off his wedding, probably in the worst possible way, days before his wedding. Sent his fiance an email saying they were done. Our boy um, Robert McCall would never. That's right, Denzel Washington, especially in Southern Italy. Robert McCall. Um, we're asking you nine six the equalizer. Uh, the worst breakup you've been a part of, you've seen, you've heard about, 960, 960, name and location. Some of these are great. The Def Leppard concert one is pretty good, too. I enjoyed we'll that get, a lot. We'll get to that. I also like the rotisserie <laughs> chicken one. Okay, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to those at 830. <laughs> but first, I've been teasing this story uh, for a while now. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe this uh, this chain of restaurants has been listening to our program. Oh, okay. We had a couple texts on this back-to-back, and I just love the longtime listeners that we have. <laughs> what what text? What which ones? What? They were way back at at seven oh one and seven oh five. Calgary time. Oh, Panquakes is real? Yeah. No. They better not have stolen Panquakes. Pan- they better not have stolen Panquakes. <laughs> like I appreciate you. <laughs> and I also appreciate um I also appreciate uh, the angry guy that we're not talking about Western Canadian sports enough. All right, calm down. Like, let's dial it back a little bit. It's flipping late August here. Throw us a bone here. Anyway. Like, come on, bro. Anyway. Yo, <laughs> like, like, okay, all right. I we just talked some- about the flames there. We're going we're gonna to throw the flames down your throat all, like, starting, like, soon. Like, so just calm down, okay? Calm down. It's coming. It's all coming. All right. Um, uh, I just got in my Twitter feed here. Uh, a post from Sportsnet 960. Uh, the question is, are people excited for the Heritage Classic in Edmonton? But the boys have uh, worded it, are person excited for the Heritage Classic? That's great. Good I'll job, boys. That. Nice job. No proofreading allowed. Um, okay. <laughs> So a specific uh, big-time chain has stolen an idea. Um, Subway um, sandwiches, Mm -hmm. uh, very popular among some of the hosts at Sportsnet 960, the fan. Popular sandwich spot. Um, I've seen a lot of bags of Subway in the studio. They've stolen one of our ideas. Uh, They're going to launch Subway in the Sky. What? A 180-foot blimp that carries diners around in the air to try their chain sandwiches. This is so dumb. Why Subway? Yeah. Our idea got stolen by easily the worst company to steal our idea. Stop it. If Subway wants to sponsor, we welcome their money. That's fine. Great. Perfect. We will take your boatloads of cash because you literally have more restaurants than anybody else in the entire world. That's totally fine. But you make sandwiches. It doesn't need to be in a blimp. This, I can make the sandwich on the ground and carry it into the blimp. It doesn't need to be on the blimp. This is ridiculous. This is a, this is a silly plan. You're Flights just doing this to pl- do it in the air, which is dumb. Flights will take place between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. and carry up to seven diners, and it lasts approximately 30 minutes. Do you know what the cost is going to be on this? Nope. Uh, before boarding, passengers will receive a lunchbox with samples, a lunchbox of samples of the chain's four new deli hero sandwiches to air while air to eat before airborne. So, so you get to. Si- I don't yeah. even get to make my own sandwiches, which is the entire bit with Subway. That's this is what you're telling me. But you're eating it in a blimp. <sighs> the worst product to eat in a blimp. 
Uh, I disagree. It is the worst product there's, eating a blimp. How could you call Subway three bat? letter? I'm not calling Subway blat. I had Subway on the weekend. I had Subway Listen, like two days ago. Stop disparaging Subway. I'm a I huge fan. Worst, Subway melts. There's, there, there's two Honey places. Garlic, I don't, garlic aioli, green pepper, spinach, red onion, banana peppers, oregano, salt, and pepper parmesan. There's two companies I don't want to eat in a Italian blimp. herbs is, and cheese, foot long sub. Okay, there's two Maybe companies extra that I want cheese if I want it. <laughs> okay, all right. There's two companies I don't want to eat in a blimp. Number one, it's a three-letter uh, fried chicken chain. Because you have to eat that in the front seat of the vehicle so you can throw the bones out the window? No, uh, in case something happens. And two, uh, it's a place where you can get Mexican food that has something to do with a bell. <laughs> Why don't you want to eat that on a blimp? Well, exactly, because you might you might not be able to go anywhere if you're on a blimp. But it's a thirty minute ride. Like, it, come on, it's not like it runs through like a waterfall. Come on, thirty minutes a long time if you're going to the bell. That's a long time. If you're calling the bell out of the bullpen. You watch out. That's a stay at home meal. <laughs> but again, we we have the idea. We want to fly the blimp around the stay dome. I think they listen to our show. Uh, yeah, they stole it. Those yep. Criminals. How could they? Yep. And they put the worst um, thing in the blimp that they could. Gosh, I can't believe they did this. Ridiculous. Uh, Jeff Erickson next. Help you on your fantasy football draft. And now uh, the worst breakup you've heard, experienced, uh, 960, 960 name and location, chance to win movie tickets. It's all straight ahead. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.